0: All right, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. Um, As I said before, welcome to our support group, uh, Church 21 downtown. So glad that we're able to do this. So glad to see uh, so many of you in person. Uh, It's been really great. I wish we could catch up on Christmas and New Year's and all those things, but uh, that's just not going to happen. How many of you were at the Snow Hill last week? Okay, so some of us aren't very intelligent, are we? Uh, it was freezing cold, but it was so worth it to see, uh, to see you all. Nate, what's, what's the name of your dog? Mia. Yeah, like playing with Mia. Never would have met Mia. Mia's not coming to support group, right? So you want to meet Mia, you have to go to a sledding hill in the middle of winter to meet Mia. Mia's amazing. All right, um, let me pray again, and, and we'll get going. And, and like I said, the, the focus of these next five weeks and maybe the rest of our lives is prayer. And so I know some of you feel like, oh, prayer is, you know, it's, it's not the primary thing that we're to be about. We're supposed to be doing other things, and yet prayer really is the primary work. Uh, pri- prayer really is the primary thing of followers of Jesus, that we get to do that, right? It's not that we, we should, it's that we can, right? We're able to. So let me pray again, and we'll get going. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would awaken us. Uh, it's so easy to, to sit back and feel like a, um, like a recipient alone, and yet I pray that, that you would give to us, awaken us, so that we would give to others uh, this morning. Thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we pray that it would speak to us. We love you. Amen. So how have you felt during the pandemic? Shout it out. Tired, okay. Annoyed. Bored? Yes. Frustrated? Keep them going. What? Lonely? Yeah. More annoyed than annoyed. Yes. I think, what is it? I guess I'm hearing things. That's, that's okay, though. I feel fine during the pandemic. I just hear things. All right, No big deal. The words I wrote down are weak. Uh, frustrated, also annoyed, uh, powerless, and like I have no control. It seems like the things that you want to do, it can't really do. So what what has brought us hope during this pandemic? And, and I'll just share a few things with you. And I'm not saying that these are real sources of hope, but they've been proposed to us. Uh, who remembers that we just need to flatten the curve for a few weeks? Right? Hope. Hope. Uh, vaccines are gonna take us all away we're all gonna be much better after that right and i'm not saying that these things are bad but these were the things that were promised to us um herd immunity is coming don't worry guys we're all gonna get it it'll be okay uh and then the hope that we open things up and life is going back to normal only to have it shut back down again and then we'll open it up a little bit, but then we'll shut it back down again. And then we'll promise that we're really going to shut it down, but then we'll open it up. You know, like this is how life is, has gone for us, right? Um, but we really haven't had it that bad. We haven't had it that bad. I want to introduce you to a man in, in Acts chapter 3 this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 3, in verse 2, it says, And there was a man lame from birth. And he was being carried. So his, his disease was one that he didn't have control over his body. Whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those who are entering the temple. So we keep asking ourselves, how long are we going to be in this thing? Well, for this guy, his pandemic was a lifelong pandemic. And we find out in chapter 4 verse 22 that he was over 40 years of age. I just turned 40 last year. I can't imagine never ever being able to use my my legs and I don't know if he was able to use his arms. It's just not we're not certain of any of that from this text. But for his entire life he was weak. He was powerless. His future was determined by others. It says in Acts 3 that he had to be carried to the temple. So if someone didn't show up to carry him that day, he sat at home. If someone didn't show up to clean him that day, he sat unclean, right? This was his life. What brought him hope? Well, maybe today I'm going to get enough provision for today, or maybe I'll get enough provision for today and tomorrow so that maybe I don't have to come back here today. And, and what brought him hope was that someone would actually show up and bring him there. But I, I thought a lot about this guy over the past couple weeks. They, there was really no light at the end of his tunnel. There was no herd immunity that was going to take away his lameness. There was no vaccine that was all of a sudden going to help him like, jump up and be done with this. And so this guy's plot in, in life was to make the tunnel as good as it could be. But there wasn't really any light at the end. And so on a normal day, and Stephen alluded to some of this before he read Scripture, on a normal day, he encountered these these two guys named Peter and John. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know that they were important or unimportant. And listen to what happens in Acts chapter 3, verse 3 to 8. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, like, can you give me some money? And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. no money but full healing what was this guy's hope that he would get enough provision for the day but on that day he gets full healing and not the kind of healing now we have to like focus in on this right because we can just pass by this oh yeah yeah, yeah. no I read about that when the lame guy got healed but this is someone whose whose feet and legs have never ever functioned before And this isn't the type of like, yeah, we're going to put you in physio for a little while and then you'll feel better after several years of doing that. Have you ever watched someone who has never walked or who's been paralyzed and is trying to walk again? The excruciating pain that they go through in being able to do these things. What happened on this day was an immediate healing. So much so that he leaps up, jumps, and walks, runs, dances his way into the temple. This is amazing. Absolutely astounding. Don't don't read these texts and just... Don't meh your way through Scripture. Stop, pause, and say, oh my God, I can't believe, but I do believe that you do these types of things. And give me faith to believe that you still do this today. You see, Peter and John could have been a huge asset for the community, couldn't they? Right? If Peter and John walked into our city, and we, we heard that they could do this thing. It's like, wow, we have lots of people with COVID. Um, why don't you just start walking around, laying hands on people, and see if if this thing can be gone completely? They could have been a huge asset to the community. So I ask us, right, let's engage our hearts a little bit. Are we this bold? Does this type of boldness move inside of us? That we walk around the city, we walk around our neighborhoods knowing the ability that exists in us because of who we are. We don't have some weird, like, spidey sense in us, but we have the Spirit of God if we're followers of Jesus living in us, and He still does these things. You see, when we we run into problems that exist in people like this, it's so much easier to just give them money because we feel like, okay, I did a thing, now I'm moving on. It's a lot more awkward to actually stop and and pray for someone. I was with Nehemiah and Malachi one time. One of our neighbors, she had this disease in her eyes. And it was like she was almost, I mean, they thought that she would go blind. And uh, and we were talking to her. And I, I was leaving. And I heard the Spirit of God say, pray for her. And I'm like, I don't want to pray for her. Like, she wasn't the nicest neighbor either. Uh, she was actually kind of mean to us uh, all the time. And so I'm like, I don't really want to pray for her. And spirit said, you know, pray for her. And so I turn around, and I'm like, oh hey guys, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for her. And so awkwardly go back, and I'm like, so I'm a pastor, remember? And um, I believe that God works through prayer. Can I pray for you? And it was a very strange encounter, but she said yes. We prayed for her. Uh, she didn't wasn't healed in that moment, but it's very awkward to do that, isn't it? It's very awkward to be to be bold in that way and for as many times as I do that there's double the times that I don't do that right so don't hear me as the hero of this story at all <clears throat> but why don't we do this why don't we do these things number 1 it's awkward isn't it number 2 what if it doesn't work right it didn't it didn't work as far as we could tell that day what happens then what does that say about god We don't do it because we don't have enough faith. Or what are they going to think of us? Oh, those crazy people again. Those crazy people that think that their prayers are actually going to do something. Right? These things bind us up and keep us from moving in boldness. But here's the thing. We can and we should stop and pray for people. Hear that. We can. And because we can, we should. Because there is healing available. But this isn't all about healing. This is like a side point. Here's the problem. There was a problem with all this. We don't have issues with Peter and John being in the city healing people. The problem that they had was the one that they credited for actually doing the healing. You see, they credited Jesus for doing the healing because they were questioned about it. And what did Peter and John say? In the name of Jesus which in essence is saying by the power of Jesus, not by our power, his power, get up and walk. This was the problem. And the problem was because these religious officials had just destroyed Jesus a few weeks prior. They wanted Jesus out of their city, out of the picture so that they could get on with their religion. They killed Jesus. And the belief that was circulating was that a fake resurrection had taken place, that his disciples or someone had stolen the body of Jesus. But they thought they were done, but now there are these two guys, Peter and John, who are annoying, right? This is the word in the text, actually. They were annoying the religious leaders. They were starting a new pandemic for the religious leaders, healing in Jesus' name. And they knew that this would stir up trouble. You see, Peter and John could have just let everyone think it was them, that the power came from them, but they didn't. They blamed Jesus for the good things that were happening. And there were two things that took place. Two things that took place after they did this. Number one is resistance. Resistance. Listen to Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 3 as they were speaking to the people, so, so what happens was guy gets healed, they go in the temple, everyone's marveling, and they're like, oh, no, 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 it's not about us, and they preach a sermon about Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 1 says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees, the, all the religious leaders, came up to them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. There was resistance. When we do things in the name of Jesus, there's going to be resistance. There are going to be people that want to arrest you and silence you and cancel you and shut you up so that you can't keep doing these things. And they put them on this little mini trial, actually. They kept them in jail, and then they told them, if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to harm you. And listen to chapter 4, verse 18. They called them... Charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of jesus there's resistance that comes when we move in boldness for jesus and because of jesus and there's resistance from the religious authorities but there's also resistance that can come from followers of jesus jesus told this story about soils and he said there are different kinds of soils that seeds go into and he said, one type of soil is very shallow soil, that the seed, that the good news of Jesus goes into that soil. It starts to grow. It looks amazing. They're showing up the church gathering. They're praying a little bit, reading their Bible. They're talking to people about Jesus. But when persecution comes, it says, it's like the sun scorching a plant and completely demolishing it so that it doesn't grow anymore. It withers away. Jesus said, some of you are going to Say you're my followers, but when persecution comes, you're going to be like that. You're going to shrivel up. And you weren't really my follower. See, some will experience trouble, and because of that trouble, will resist Jesus. Some of us expect that life with Jesus is only supposed to be easy. And I don't want to be like all apocalyptic or end times or anything like that. And if you're like, I don't know what that means, that's fine. Um, uh, but there's, there's a very good chance, like in the rest of the world, where churches meet underground. I know we're underground, but we're not underground, right? We're as a support group this morning, but we are under the ground. But, but churches in, do you know how many churches around the world would love to be able to meet as a support group with masks on? Like they would love that. That would be like the best thing in the world. But instead they like come quietly and secretly into homes and they actually have uh, questions that they ask you before you can even know where they gather. Because it's illegal to gather as the church. And we can't so believe, and again, I'm not being end timesy, but at some point that goes everywhere in the world. Western culture doesn't keep that away. And so when that happens, what do you do? You say, oh, Jesus, I liked you, and we could do Happy Clappy Church and sing and dance and all those things. But this whole persecuted church, this whole underground church, this whole um, thing that's causing a lot of issues for my life, I I didn't sign up for this. But we have to understand that that's what Jesus promises disciples, is that this is not going to be easy. This is going to be hard but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you or bail on you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not leaving. And I'm going to be with you even to the point of death, and we'll look at that next week. So they knew that if they mentioned Jesus, resistance would come. But the second thing they knew is that stronger belief would also come. Right? Persecution just shows what's going on inside of us. And for this group and, and the group around them, Persecution brought a deepening of spirit-led dependence. It pushed that even deeper. It was like there's a building that was going up right next to this building, and I watched them push down, and I heard them push down, and felt them push down um, those massive, uh, what are they? They're like, I don't know what they are, steel, basically, they steal things for the entire building to be on. And they pushed those things so deep. And that's what happened in this group of, of followers of Jesus during persecution. It just went deeper. So let me show you a few of these things. Peter and John were unwilling to be swayed in their conviction. They're standing in front of the people who killed Jesus. And listen to what they say. They called them, charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, well, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So you can kill us, you can tie us up, you can keep us in jail, but we can't help but tell of what we've seen and heard. Nothing can stop this from moving forward. This is boldness. This is boldness. And this is all the work of the Spirit of God. Because do you remember what Peter was like just a little while ago? Same thing, Peter's being asked, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus reinstates him. And now, full of the Spirit of God, Peter is preaching to the same people who are responsible for the death of Jesus, saying, you can do whatever you want to me. Do whatever you want to me, because I'm going to keep proclaiming who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, you have to hear this. They weren't looking for trouble. Some Christians look for trouble. Some Christians look to, to push things so that they're noticed. They weren't looking for trouble. But they weren't shying away from it when it came, because it came because of Jesus. It came because of Jesus. And they were looking for opportunities to declare and dispense the goods of Jesus. The second thing that happens in this stronger belief, the next the next piece of steel that's being pushed in the ground is that there's a group of Jesus followers intentionally submitting their lives to him. So listen to this in Acts 4, verse 23. When Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the earth, heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them Place. In a sense, they're taking their lives and saying sovereign God our lives are in your care and we're we're recommitting ourselves to you Do you know what I would have been tempted to pray in this moment God, please keep us safe and keep us out of jail God, please don't let these things happen to me God, please don't let these things happen to us and they say sovereign God you do whatever you want This is the second time this has happened. Persecution comes. Don't say anything anymore. Okay. We're going to keep saying things. They come back. Little prayer meeting. It's not, hey, Jesus, would you please heal my ouchie on my foot? It's whatever you want to do with us, we're in. You're sovereign. It's bold to release control of your life again. This is what boldness looks like. The third thing that happens, the next piece of steel that goes into the ground, is that this group actually asks for boldness to keep going so God would be glorified. Chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Man, like I get the shivers reading that. Let us keep speaking with boldness. We've already submitted our lives to you. Let us keep speaking in boldness so that you get the glory, so that you are attributed what you are worthy of. You see, they wanted God to be glorified, made much of, but they also wanted others to experience him and to experience the work that was purchased for them, to be healed, and not just healed of physical ailments, but to be healed of spiritual sickness as well. And they were willing to have God's boldness replace their fear and indifference. Hear that. They wanted God's boldness to replace their fear and indifference you can't tell yourself, stop being afraid, stop being afraid. Something greater has to overtake that and replace it. You want your fear to be gone? Boldness has to overtake that. You want your indifference to be gone? Boldness has to overtake that. And listen to what happens, and then we'll, we'll apply it. God answered, listen in verse 31, when they had prayed, okay, we, we think prayer is just the thing we, we do. We interact with God and, you know, not, not a big deal. But listen, when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And all were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We feel sometimes like it's going to take a long time for God to answer our prayers. God says, now, I'll answer it now. It's like, you say boldness, I'll give you boldness. That's what we're going to pray for this morning. You want boldness? I'm going to give you boldness. And I'm not just going to give you boldness. I'm going to give you opportunities for that boldness. And the rest of the book of Acts is us seeing that boldness at work through his people. That's what the entire book of Acts is, is about. And the church kept growing in the most hostile time. You know, we feel like, man, if persecution comes, the church is going to shrink. No, that's not how the church works. It's not how it works. The church gets strengthened by the Spirit of God, and usually, where persecution comes, the, the the church actually grows much larger. We no one's inviting persecution. We don't want that, but yet the the fastest growing churches in the world are Afghanistan, Iran, and China, where it's all illegal to be the church, right? Well, how would the church know about us? How would they know that we're at Saint Jack's? Well. Because the church starts to be the church, and the church isn't reliant on marketing or Facebook ads or anything like that. It's a a mouth-to-mouth, not like CPR type thing or making out thing. It's a communicating thing, right? Person-to-person type thing. That's what the church is actually supposed to be. It's not the Sunday service that's attractional. It's God and his people that are attractional. Of course we're an attractional church because we send the people of God back out into their neighborhoods and workplaces all the time and as we live according to His ways, that's attractional. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, verse 16, let me, let me read this to you. Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you know what Jesus is is expecting here? Is that people would see good things done and then his followers would explain why they're doing things. Just because you're nice to someone and hand out cookies in your neighborhood does not mean that people are magically saying, "Oh my goodness, all of a sudden I have the strong urge to glorify a Father in heaven." It's not that. It's that we're doing whatever we're doing, and when it's noticed and we're tempted to take the credit in that moment, we just blame God for it. So let me give you two examples. Uh, one, a, a few weeks ago, a woman uh, had a woman and her daughter. I uh, got a car stuck in the snow, and I was leaving my office, and I was already late going home. And I'm like, oh, I just want to ignore this and go to my car and just leave. And like, it's like the spinning the, just kept getting louder and louder. And if you've ever been stuck in a car with the spinning, it's annoying, and you're like, how am I getting out? So I'm like, yes, I should go over there and do that. So I went over, and it took forever to get this car out. Finally got it out all by myself. People are driving by, like you know, giving thumbs up. I'm like, no, oh, come help. Uh, and I'm like, little, right? And I'm like, trying to get this car out and praying for strength of Samson or something to overtake me. I still think Samson was a, a little guy. That's why it made such a big difference when he did something strong. Anyway, I push. Finally push the car out, and the woman rolls down her window and she's like, "You are like an angel." And I'm like, no, like I'm sweaty and I smell gross. And I smiled, and I said, have a good night. And I got my car and left. And as I'm driving on the highway, I'm like, I just missed an opportunity to get to explain why I pushed this woman's car out. It wasn't because I felt guilty or I felt bad. It's because I sensed that God actually wanted me to go and do that. And I, I should have explained that in that moment. I felt like I missed, I missed an opportunity with her. Should have blamed God. The second thing is that I was walking, this was uh, five or six years ago. I was walking and I was was getting ready to preach on a Sunday morning and I went to my office and on my way to my office, uh, a homeless guy asked me for money. I I almost never give uh, people money. I'll buy food, I'll take them to a shelter, I'll show them where to get it. Lots of resources in the city to get food. You just need to know that, okay? Um, But for whatever reason that day, God said to me very clearly, I want you to give this guy money. I'm like, I don't have money on me. So I told him, I'm like, listen, my office is three blocks away. If you want money, you have to walk with me. So he's like, okay. And I'm thinking I had like a a toonie or something, you know, up in my office and I'll give it to him. And so I I get to the office and I heard his story, really heart-wrenching story. Like I hear from many homeless people, some of it's true, some of it's not. I don't care, I'm just listening. Get to the office, I go up to my office and there's a $10 bill there And a toonie and I'm like going to grab the toonie and I said no grab the $10 bill. I'm like I'm not gonna give this guy $10 you know We didn't have a lot of money at that time and not that we have a lot now But like yeah, we're loaded no, but I grabbed the $10 and like went down And I gave it to him and he said oh my goodness you're so generous and I said no listen I'm not generous at all and I just share with him all my inner thoughts over the past like 10 minutes I'm like I actually didn't want to give you this There was a $2 coin on my desk. I wanted to give that to you. But here's what God did. And I just explained to him everything that went on and completely blamed God for him getting that $10. And I think he was actually weirded out by that. He's like, oh, okay, man. Well, like, thanks so much. And he went on his way. Um, But I think that's what we're called to do. That as we're doing things, it's not just what a nice person. It's like, yeah, a nice person. That we blame God for the nice things that we're actually doing because it's not about us doing niceness. It's about us sowing seeds of his kingdom everywhere into the city and then telling people that this is what we're doing. Because it's God who wants to be generous to you. Dwight wants to give you like a dime, right? I'm looking for a dime and God is like, no, $10. Dwight wants to like... Pray for an ouchie and hope you feel better. God says, I'm going to raise you up this morning and cause you to dance your way into the temple. I want to make someone's day a little bit better today. God says, I want to change their eternity. Right. This is what we're called to be as the church. Prayers of boldness for us to act and then proclaim. Prayers of boldness to act and proclaim. So here are the questions, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer for one another. What fear in you, what fear in you needs to die today? What fear in you needs to die today at the hands of God's boldness? He wants to snuff that out. He doesn't want you walking around with that anymore. Now think about that. Process that. What fear in you needs to die today at the hands of God's boldness? The next question, what stops you from being bold in action or in talk? What stops you from being bold in action or in talk? What is it? And then how can that change? And I'll say this, that you can't change yourself. The harder you try and change yourself, the more frustrated you're going to be because it's just not going to work. But Jesus, he he went to the cross for you, died in your place for, for your weakness, no hope at the end of the tunnel life. And he rose up out of the grave to offer you eternal life with him, forgiveness, authority, his presence, his spirit now. And he wants to change you. Don't try and change yourself. Let him change you. That day that they prayed for boldness, boldness was immediately given to them. And it's not a boldness to show God, look how bold I am. It's it's a boldness that comes from knowing who we already are. And then where does God want you to use his boldness? Where does God want you to use his boldness? You know, maybe, maybe God wants to bring a revival to Montreal. Maybe God would start it with a room full of like 40, 50 people like this. Maybe he would start with people saying, all right, I'm, I'm in. I, I want boldness. I want boldness to, to leave here today, to, to act and speak as if God were actually real, living, active, and moving in this city. And I want boldness to show people, God, would you give me gifts that I've never had before to be able to help people see who you are? Maybe God would bring revival. Maybe God would take Montreal and make it the most reached place in the entire world. And maybe he would start that today with us asking for boldness. And boldness even believed that. Imagine that Montreal was a, a place where people were meeting him daily. It says in the book of Acts that the church was growing every day. New people. Right? We run an engaged class. So we have to do like three or four times a year. Imagine if we had to do a bi-weekly engage class, right? Wednesday night, Sunday engage class so that people understood what to do with what God was actually doing in them. This is the kind of stuff that we pray for. This is why we support one another because I know if you're like me, you have a hard time believing that this can actually happen. So we're gonna pray for one another. We're gonna pray alongside one another. We're gonna pray for the city. And we're gonna do this for five weeks. And we're gonna ask God to shake our hearts awake not just to make all the bad things go away, but that he would bring his kingdom here and now. I think this all starts with us asking him for boldness and the opportunity to use it. So let's respond. Um, Stephen's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a time of, of prayer. Um, now listen, we might pray a certain way today that you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that that was how I wanted to pray or I might not be used to that that's okay, we're going to try and, and mix things up over the next five weeks. Um, our city groups are going to, most of them anyway, are going to stop uh, accomplishing, and hear me carefully, we're going to stop accomplishing things because so often we like to go through a Bible study, or we like to read a book, or we like to feel like we're making some sort of progress, but prayer is the real work, and prayer is progress, and so we're going to be, as city groups, just praying. And we have online prayer chapels that that are open at different times throughout the week. You can find those times in the weekly email. Um, You can invite people who don't yet believe in Jesus to go to one of those, and we'll pray for them. We're not going to ask them a litany of questions. You can pray for them. You can bring people here who don't yet know Jesus who need to be prayed for, and we will pray for them. And we're going to look at different aspects of prayer um, each week. So I'm going to pray, and then Stephen's going to come up and lead us In time of prayer and for those of you who are watching online uh, I'm gonna send you out now and there's actually an online group that should be posted in the chat uh, right now that you can go on to and you'll be doing the same exact thing online that we're gonna be doing in person here so let me pray and then you'll be sent out and then we're gonna turn on the lights here so that we can actually see one another Jesus thank you that you are alive thank you that you are active and moving thank you that you you are here with us in our midst, and you are not done uh, with the city. You're not done with uh, Quebec and Canada. You're not done rescuing people uh, globally. I pray that in this city, uh, your gospel would go more viral than COVID has. I pray that um, that there would be people talking often about the goodness that they're experiencing uh, from you and by you. We've just talked about all the restrictions and things we can and can't do for so long. Would you please make the new conversation peace in the city your kingdom? Only you can do that. There's no way we can do that. We can't force that. We can't, as a little group of people, make that happen, but you can because it's your spirit and, and you are sovereign. Would you help us to take our hearts, which might feel tired, maybe even rebellious, lazy, indifferent, fearful. Would you help us take our hearts out and and give them to you again this morning and to say, Jesus, would you please do whatever you want with us? Help us to know what we should be praying for, and would you please lead us in this time? We love you and need you. Amen.